This is the Accidental Safety Pro brought to you by Vivid Learning Systems and the Health and Safety Institute. This is episode number 45. My name is Jill James, Vivid's Chief Safety Officer, and today I'm joined by Crystal Turner Moffat, who is Director of Safety at Waters Construction in Connecticut. Now, Crystal and I have been trying to connect for a number of months to do this podcast recording. And we just were having a hard time scheduling because Crystal is busy like I cannot believe. So Crystal, if you don't mind, before we get into hearing your story, I just need to tell people what's been keeping you so busy. <laughs> so Crystal is uh, has been awarded ASSP's WISE Safety Professional of the Year, otherwise known as SPY. And if uh, for anyone listening isn't familiar with what WISE is, it's the Women in Safety Excellence. And uh, she got the award for Safety Professional of the Year. She's also past president of ASSP's Hudson River Valley chapter and also the administrator of Blacks in Safety Excellence with ASSP as well. Crystal has recently published an article with the ASSP Journal on Women in Mentorship and Leadership. She also has been studying for and successfully passed on the same day both her CSP and her SMS. And she is the owner of her own safety consulting company and goes uh, often by the name of Safety Diva, which I can't wait to hear more about. So welcome to the podcast after all this time, Crystal. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, Jill. <laughs> well, it's you're... a pleasure. Oh, I'm so happy that you're here to share your story with us. So we have a, we have a lot to dig into um, with your career and where you've been. So let's get right into it, Crystal. What, uh, what got you into safety? And at some point, we want to hear about that safety diva piece. <laughs> okay. Well, my journey started in pharmaceutical safety, actually, because I had a whole nother career for 12 years as a researcher in labs, <clears throat> oh, wow. Oh, wow. I was pre-med in college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I, I, I had, didn't have a plan B when medical school didn't work out. I'm so glad the plan that did happen was to be a safety professional because I just love it. Safety is my passion. Hmm. But I started out in um, pharmaceutical safety, having been in the lab. That was like the, the initial safety profession for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I had been a professional in New York City doing inspections for restaurants. Oh, wow. And that's environmental health. Um, and um, I saw someone reading a toxicology book, and I, and I was saying, like, where do you go to school? Because I had been looking to do a master's. They told me before, if you get a master's and reapply to medical school, you'd be okay. But I was already happy with the lab work. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw someone while doing restaurant inspections. I was a public health sanitarian. Mm-hmm. And they said they went to Hunter's. School of Public Health, School of Health, mm-hmm. and um, so I <clears throat> did, found a master's program that was at night, so I could still work at Hunter, and I really liked it. I I did my master's program at Hunter, mm-hmm. and um, that led for me to under, to learn about being a CSP, and uh, um, I had been doing toxicology. So basically, I started out looking at the human aspect of environment and how it affects human beings and their environment. And then I went to industrial hygiene, 
with Hunter. Mm-hmm. And then basically people would say, are you an industrial hygienist? Are you a safety person? And I was like, well, I'm whatever's going to get me the job. <laughs> right. And, um, mm-hmm. and so it just followed a progression. And then I got into construction because that's where the risk lies highest, where most people and workers are, are hurt is in the construction industry. Yeah. So um, when I wasn't working for someone else, I started my own business, CDT EHS Consulting LLC. It's a safety professional um, organiz- um, firm. Mm-hmm. And um, whenever I wasn't working for someone else, I did my own work and just found my way in the construction field for safety. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So, Crystal, I've got to back up because I'm wondering if anyone who's listening hears that you were an inspector for restaurants. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So do you still eat out? Yes, I do. <laughs> but I, 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 I always walk into a restaurant and look for hats and look for gloves and look for certain key aspects that, cause I could, in New York, I could have spent all day in one restaurant giving out, you know, fines because that's mm-hmm. how you're trained. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But basically, mm-hmm. um, you know, you learn to maybe do four a day or something like that, but it was very interesting work. And, you know, I, they called me Attila the Hun <laughs> at some of the places because um, I was just very efficient with what I did, but I, I did love it. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's funny. You were called Attila. I was called uh, um the little hammer wow. when I was when I was an investigator because I was trained by an investigator uh when I was investigator with OSHA rather. I was trained by a guy who was known as the hammer because he hammered out so many citations. And it wasn't it wasn't that he was like, you know, trying to be uh, you know, terrible to employers. He just knew the regulations book, like memorized them. He had them all memorized. He could spit them out and write them down and he trained me. And so when I started doing my work, people called me the little hammer. He was known as the big hammer and his last name actually was hammer wow and so and so so that's how that went so you're Attila the Hun I was the hammer (laughs) so we have that in common high five crystal (laughs) oh that's interesting so from pharmaceuticals to construction wow what a change how did how did that go for you um, because I had the laboratory background, it was a good transition for my uh, first safety role when I graduated from Hunter to to be in uh, the pharmaceutical realm, being familiar with labs mm-hmm. and um, laboratory work. So I worked mm-hmm. for a couple of bio um, bio a biotech firms. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. biotech right. firms, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, it was just a natural progression for me because I had had that lab background. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And the Did toxicology you... as well because I used to belong to the Society of Toxicology and the AIHA as well mm-hmm. before I settling in with the ASSP. So. Yeah, right, right. And did you, I'm trying to remember from our previous conversations, did you do something with the um, Transit Authority as well? Did you do some um, work there? Yes, well, with my own company, I had, I had, um, I worked for Port Authority okay. for like a short time before I went to Marsh. I, I've kind of run the gamut where I started yeah. out in pharmaceutical safety. I uh-huh. went to regulatory work and worked for the New York City DEP, yeah. New York City Department of Environmental Protection. Okay. And um, I kind of didn't want to be in the office anymore. I kind of felt like I wasn't being utilized. And I actually ended up going out into the consultant field mm-hmm. and being one of those consultants that I used to regulate. Yeah. So okay. that was very interesting. Uh huh. So, yeah. yeah, you got to see both sides. Yes, I did. And I've, I've run all the way through working for an insurance company, 
Um, I worked for Marsh USA as a vice president. Mm-hmm. And um, it gave me the perspective, I guess, like 360, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so how long have you been working in the in the construction trades now or with them? About 15 years now. Wow. Interesting. Uh, what do you like about it? I mean, it's that's hard. It's hard work and sometimes hard to get people to work safe. Yes. And to take you seriously, especially as a woman in the field, yeah. um, I often would hear like, how did you get here? And what's your story? And, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, how did you get into construction? Because they just couldn't believe, you know, they see my resume and people would call me in and and just want to sometimes just to to, to see if yeah. I, they, you know, if they could believe what they saw on paper, you know, it kind of it was a bummer at times, but yes, because you know, yes. I would be going for a job and, and they really just wanted to see What's your credibility? What's my credibility, right? Yeah. And that's kind of like what construction is all about. When you learn the different trades, you really have to know um, the vernacular of the Mm -hmm. trades because then the tradesmen will take you seriously. So that's basically how I built my credibility was learning, asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. How uh, How did you do that piece, Crystal? What were some of the things that you did early on? Well, before I would go and tell someone they were doing something unsafe, I had to know what safe was. So right. I would watch and ask, you know, an electrician or, you know, what is that called? And they tell me, oh, we're working with conduit. Or I asked a pipe fitter mm-hmm. <clears throat> what they're doing. I asked a carpenter and I just like studied and mm-hmm. to study what they did. And then once I was able to get that, that amount of knowledge, then when I went to someone I didn't go to them and say, just stop working and stop what you're doing. You know, I basically mm-hmm. said, how can we work together to get this to be safe? Because mm-hmm. um, I had a fresh set of eyes. Some of them, like, you know, I've been working 40 years doing this. Yeah. Who are you to tell me? You know, but um, it's it's basically just working together because you yeah. want them to go home and they basically know what's safe. And the, and the guys would be very, and women would be very, very respectful of me once mm-hmm. I showed them that I cared. And that's basically yeah. what you have to do. You can't yeah. really go in as a cop. You have to be more of a coach. And that's yeah. when Safety Diva was born because I would, <laughs> I would come in and um, I, I, I have nails and I, I like to look good. But, you mm-hmm. know, on the construction site, you know, it's not always, it's kind of dirty and messy or whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I basically would tell them, you know, you can call me Crystal or call me Safety Diva because I'm, I consider myself a diva. And they would laugh and it would be an icebreaker. <laughs> Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> so that worked. That worked for you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think this is this is good information for people who are listening, who are trying to break into our field. You know, sometimes people in those first jobs, um, and particularly in construction, and it's like, you know, how do you how do you do it? Um, if if you're young or don't have experience in a trade, um, and and you have to come in yeah, being the authority but not being the cop. And what's that line that you walk? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you found you found your way to. I like what you said. How can we work together to keep you safe? And yeah, show them that you care. So how did you? How have you figured out how to do that in your in your career for people who are listening? How did you demonstrate showing people that you care? Well, like I said, it's speaking their language. Um, yeah. Okay. I know a little bit of Spanish, so if I'm speaking to a Spanish professional that, you know, a, a Spanish uh, trades person, I, I try a little bit just to let them know, you know, I care, mm-hmm. you know, try to speak their language. So just as if you would do that with a, a, a non-English speaking person, let's say you do that with a person who speaks in a trade language. So I just let them know 
when I when I see them, even though they say they've been doing it thirty years, forty years, I'm like, yeah, but maybe there's a maybe there's a better way you can do this. Yeah. I'm not trying to tell you that you're doing anything wrong, but you know, we we want you to get home to see your family. We want you to see your grandkids if it's a mm-hmm. hearing issue, to hear your grandkids twenty years from now. Yeah. Um, to see your 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 grandkids, you know, if it's an eye protection issue. Mm, yeah, that's great. That's a great way to relate it. Yeah, to see and hear, feel. Yeah, like you can touch them with literally all their senses. Yes. Which which safety can impact all of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And most of all, to 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 in construction to have your life, you know. Yeah. And uh, when you bring that home to them, sometimes they, you know, younger people think they're invincible. Older people think, you know, they 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 know a lot and it's not going to happen, you know, to them or that they know so much that it's not going to happen. But, you know, the statistics show that basically in that in that young range and in the older range is when most things happen in construction Yeah, with older workers and younger workers. Yeah, right. That was, that was always my experience um, when I was working with OSHA as well. When I was called out to do fatality and serious injury investigations, it was almost always, in my experience anyway, people who were just getting started in their careers, like very, very, you know, within weeks or months of starting their jobs or really close to retirement. And there didn't seem to be a lot in the middle, but those extreme ends always seemed to be where people got hurt. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. You know, when you were talking, Crystal, about um, the the different the different agencies you worked for in New York and in New York City, uh, what came to my mind right away was um, Frances Perkins, our first labor secretary, who came out of New York, who worked maybe for some of those same organizations that you did. Mm. I know. I now I feel like I need to. I need to find out which organizations in New York she worked for before she came our labor secretary. But she was, she was doing some kind of inspection and enforcement work in New York when the Triangle Shirtwaist fire happened. Yes. And she watched people, women in particular, as they jumped out of that building because the exits were blocked. And I'm just as I'm listening to your story and all the places that you that you worked and did advocacy for in New York, and I'm thinking, man, Crystal, I think you are following in Frances Perkins' footsteps. <laughs> oh, that would be an honor. Would yes, it? Thank you. <laughs> that's so that's so cool. So anyway, now we have to find that out, and maybe somebody who's listening to this will be googling as we're looking. I know we can ask um, ask uh, one of our one of our friends who's in one of the early episodes of the show, who's a historian in safety. Um, um, oh gosh, his name is escaping me right now, um, Mark, uh, and I forget the episode number. We'll have to link it up. But he's a he's a historian who has talked about Francis Perkins as well and has um, curated all of these films on historic uh, people who've done the work of safety, and uh, she's among them. And I think you're standing on her shoulders, which is pretty cool wow <laughs> yes wise for the 100th for the 100th anniversary of ass uh p e then ass e then did a hundred year uh history of different women in safety and and how um yeah they've impacted safety so yes Yes, please. Um, I'd be interested to hear more about what that was like. And it's Mark Catlin that I was that I was trying to remember, who's the curator of all of the hist- um, people in history and in safety. So he's got a YouTube channel where he um, 
curates all these films and, and vocal recordings of people who've done our work from centuries past. Um, but Crystal, yeah, talk about that, about this um, safety professional of the year and what that's, what that's like. And maybe if, um, if people who are listening, who are a woman who, who's working in our field and isn't familiar with WISE, do you want to give a little shout out to what that's about? Oh, yes. Well, WISE is our Women in Safety Excellence for ASSP. And basically, um, I had been a mentor for WISE as well. I had great mentees um, over these past two years. In 2018, I received the WISE Mentor Award. And in 2019, I had a great mentor who, mentee who just did great things. So it feels good. That program helps you impact another safety professional's life, Mm -hmm. um, guide them. They inspire you. So that's one great program that's involved. Hmm. And um, it's basically just, we have a monthly calls if you're a representative from your chapter and everyone discusses things that they do in the community, things they do for safety, networking hmm. events. And we just share and in, in our annual PDC, um, wherever we have it, last year was New Orleans, this year is Orlando in 2020. Mm-hmm. We met, meet for a reception and we all get together. Hmm. So that's a great time. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. And then I had mentioned early on, as long as we're talking about some of the organizations that you're part of, you're also the administrator of Blacks and Safety Excellence with ASSP. Can you talk about what that is for anyone listening who's not familiar and might be interested in being a member of that? Yes, well, just like Women in Safety Excellence, we have a specialization called Blacks and Safety Excellence. And um, I was the membership chair um, assistant administrator, now administrator. And mm-hmm. it's very important to to be a role model for safety professionals that are up and coming and to also have a specific um, way to help those that um, might not know about the profession and also um, don't you don't see that many of. I know for me, I did not know there were any um, CSPs of color before mm-hmm. I got into ASSP. And when I did see see that I really wanted to come to the national convention. I wanted to meet more. And then I just, uh, got inspired by others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So our mission is just to, to bring the safety profession to people of color and who may not know, and young people, they have a a young safety professionals organization as well, Hispanic safety organization. And so, um, blacks is just in safety excellence is just for, for, people of color who are African-American mm-hmm. to learn more mm-hmm. about safety. Mm-hmm. And we have a mentorship program as well. Oh, fantastic. So if someone is getting started, who's listening, who is interested in being mentored, um, how do they, you know, whether they're a woman or whether, or whether they're a minority, how would they go about like raising their hand and saying, Hey, I'd like a mentor. How does that part work? Well, both wise and buys do have mm-hmm. their mentorship applications on the website for ASSP. Okay. So if you were to go there, which is ASSP.org, mm-hmm. um, and you uh, go to either um, th- of those communities, you would see um, how to get in touch with the mentorship program. Okay. Okay. That's fabulous. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's one of, one of the questions that I do get asked um, by people is, how do I find a mentor? Like, how do we do it? And and I think it's so important in our field in particular because, you know, we're often solo operators uh, wherever it is that we're working. Yeah, that's why I wrote the article for, um, I was asked by the administrator for WISE to 
to do a best practices article. And the first thing I thought of was, um, and this was the August article It came out, it was an all women's article, okay. all women's edition rather of PSJ. Uh, yeah. And um, I wrote on the power of mentorship and how it strengthens women in leadership roles because um, women tend to get in certain areas where we can't break into the C-suite roles like yes. I've been able to do at Waters with, and we haven't had mentors. And when we do have mentors, it's it's, it's not always um, what we expect or, you know, what, what we can access. So mm -hmm. I just believe that it, leadership roles for women benefit definitely from mentors because they can show us the way mm -hmm. and how to, how to maintain those roles. Mm -hmm. Crystal, you're definitely laying your hands on change with with doing that. Um, there's a there's a really unfortunate statistic that um, is out about women in leadership roles right now, and that it will take us get this 208 years to reach gender parity, meaning having equal uh, representation at the table. Wow. So maybe the work. It is unsettling. <laughs> the work you're doing, however, maybe we are going to see it shift from 200 to 207.5 and someone else does something like you're doing and someone else does something like you're doing and and um, we can change that. So thank you for that work and advocacy. Thank you. That is you're wonderful. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> so um, I wanted to ask you, since you are, you know, since since your work has been in New York, um, New York and New York City, rather, has some done some changes with regard to um, safety training, specifically for the OSHA 10 and 30 hour. And I think it's through like the Department of Buildings or something. But since this is that's, you know, your state and where you work for anybody else who's listening, who has uh, contractors or people who are working in New York City, can you? kind of explain what's going on with the law there so people understand what they need to do? Well, basically the Department of Buildings felt that the standard OSHA 10 that was needed on a construction site was not enough safety training for the construction workers who were working there um, or the superintendents or journey persons, foremen, um, mm -hmm. all of that. Um, because it was still too many incidents and accidents and injuries that were happening. Okay. So they're requiring 30 hours of training, which most people would get the 30-hour OSHA, mm -hmm. but that's required. But there's something called an SST, Site Safety Training Card, okay. that as of December 1st, which has passed already, 219, yeah. everyone on the site has to have it and isn't going to be an additional 10 hours of training needed by September 2020. So that's okay. basically what they're enforcing now, um, that supervisors have to get 62 hours to be a competent person. Okay. And if you go to the Department of Buildings website, you'll see all the different changes. But basically, it's, it's based upon the fact that they felt that that standard um, 10 hours of, of, of training for a construction worker was not enough. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and this is uh, something that's specific to just New York City? Yes, it is. Okay. Okay. And so this SST card that you're talking about, how do people go about getting, getting that? Are there particular trainers or yes. online trainers that are able to do this? How does that work? Well, online is pretty difficult. Just, you know, um, some of them have just the OSHA part is, is online, but the, some of it, it depends on what you need. Mm -hmm. Um, there are like, um, Fall protection for eight hours, 
there's um, drug and alcohol training, there's um, job hazard analysis training. So depending on what you might need it, you, you would go to the Department of Builders website and see what you already have. You okay. log in and then you see if what you have um, is compliant oh. with the mm -hmm. SST. Okay, so you can so it it can take into account training that you've had before. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. okay, okay. That's good to know. Interesting. And so does that um does that website also like list who who they should seek out for trainers or do yes, they source they have, that? Okay. If you need a, your card, how to register for it. If you need training, um, different courses. Um, there's several. Department of Builders always has several providers that they list. Mm -hmm. But basically, there are a lot of providers, so it's not hard to find. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. Thank you. And so there was New York City, basically, it sounds like sort of um, said, hey, we're having way too many injuries. We need to try to impact change here. Is that what? Yes. And, reasoning? and for construction workers, especially because they didn't feel that that 10 hour OSHA was doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. At all. Yeah. So Crystal, since you've been working in the trades um, for so long, I bet you've had opportunities to work with unions as well. Yes. Yeah. So can you talk about that for people who maybe don't understand completely kind of the nexus between um, unions and employers and how that works with safety? And, you know, if you're a safety professional, you know, how do you what how, how does that impact your job and what do you do? What are those relationships like? Well, I mean, they have advocates that are different from non-union jobs. And so um, sometimes it could be a little frustrating dealing with unions because sometimes with safety, you want to you want to impose certain things that that you can't, okay. um, you know, as far as getting people like not to be on a site or um, it's just a little tenuous sometimes. Okay. And it could be good as well because union shops come with people who are who are trained um, professionals that are different. They you know they come with cars that you know they usually have all their credentials. It's not anything that you know they can make up. They usually mm -hmm. keep on track of that. So there's good and bad. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So you've 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 done you've done both. I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. Do you have in your um in your work history, I know unions often have their own safety trainers as well. Do you sometimes yes. come alongside and work with them? Does that happen sometimes or not? Um, well I'm an OSHA five hundred uh trainer for uh, for construction. So in the past I've trained at unions, yeah. um for um electrical unions, for example. I've trained um, some of their workers and so they do they do do training well. They keep the their workers compliant because that's that's means that they can be placed on sites, especially yeah. government sites where mm -hmm. there's you know prevailing wage and so forth. So it's be mm -hmm. behoove them to have their workers trained well. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you know when when we talk about like where do safety professionals work, unions is, are one of those places. Mm -hmm. And so for people who are you know interested, like where can this career take me? What can it do? Um, unions are a place where you can also work as a safety professional. Yes, that's one thing I like about safety. It really is my passion. But one thing I love about it is that no matter w what industry that you want to go into or that you want to work in, safety is a part of it now. I mean, mm -hmm. ever since the OSHA Act of 1970 and things have progressed, you can go to any industry and work in safety. Mm -hmm. So just pick an industry and it, you could be a safety professional in that industry. It's not, I don't think there's not one 
that doesn't have safety involved or risk assessment or some form of safety. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And I think that's one of those things that um, people often miss. You know, you talk about safety and people think, well, that's just for construction or that's just for a factory. Um, when really it's everywhere that a human being works. Yes. Yeah. And that's what job security. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I was doing some, I had an opportunity to do some guest lecturing this week, um, in a safety program, um, in the, in the upper Midwest. And, and I, I asked all of the students, I think they were fourth year safety students. And I asked them to go around the room and talk about what their first jobs were. The very first thing they ever did to earn a paycheck. And, you know, people talked about um, agriculture work or, um, uh, you know, uh, landscape work, uh, food service work, you know, naming off kind of some of those first jobs that you might get when you're young. And then I always follow up when I ask people this question, did anyone have any safety training? And inevitably, it's crickets. Mm. You know, those those first jobs that people have when they're young. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, you know, you're the bur- you're the barista or, uh, y- you know, you're, you're working in some of these part time jobs when you're when you're essentially a kid. And safety's often missed. And then we start talking about, but what hazards were you exposed to? You know, and then I list off some things like, did this ever happen? Or did you have this? Or was it that? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, safety is literally for everyone. It does apply to every single um, person who's working. Um, but it's often, it's often not regarded that way. So we, need to, so we need to keep evangelizing, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a that's a good name, the safety evangelist. That's <laughs> right. And uh, so you can be the safety diva and the safety evangelist. That's yes, that's, that's a great. good one. Yeah. So well, yes, I um, yeah. I uh, I feel that yes, that's really really important. And getting, I've 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 been involved in a couple of events, working with sororities, working with other um. Oh, interesting. Some groups. Um, there's, yeah. a, there's a sorority in Brooklyn that has a career day. I've done uh, White Plains High School career day when I was uh, working with Hudson River Valley chapter to just mm-hmm. make children and young people aware of ASSP and what it, the safety profession has to offer because the earlier we can get them involved because most people say, I didn't know about safety till I was well into my career and I kind of fell into it. And it's yep. not something that they knew about. Like for me, I didn't know until grad school. And yeah. so, some people didn't know until like college, they were lucky. So it's yep. something that you kind of fall into. Like you just said, the accidental safety point, yeah. you just fall into it. And mm-hmm. you, you were the safety guy on the site mm-hmm. and they, you know, because you were the construction guy that didn't have that much to do or you were the super that they said you do safety. Mm-hmm, and then you, it mm-hmm. kind of became a passion for you because once mm-hmm. you get bit by the safety bug, it's kind of hard. <laughs> you can't turn it. You can't turn, turn it. Yeah. Yeah. And like now yeah. I've, I've, as a safety professional, as a CSP, I have an oath and that, you know, the ethics part of it is that I can't turn my back from different things that I see. Mm. And no matter where I go, when I'm driving or looking around, I'm always seeing construction sites. I see something and it's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You feel compelled. Yes, you do. Yeah, you feel compelled. Yeah. What a what a great uh, number of ways that you're giving back and talking about the uh, about the profession and really letting people know when you said you've you, you volunteer and you speak at places, you know, the st- safety is a STEM practice and it's not often on the list 
when uh, when we're trying to talk with uh, young people about the different uh, STEM fields they can go into. So um, that's an excellent way to give back to our profession for people who are listening, who want to be able to contribute to those career days, whether it's at your kid's school or in your communi- community or college, raise your hand and, and offer that up. Um, for people who are thinking they'd like to give back. So Crystal, you started out by telling us that you have a background in toxicology. Um, Yeah, how has that served you um, throughout your career? Well, definitely it gave me that background in chemicals and how because we were talking about how I got started. Well, I told you I had a whole career as a researcher before, and it was in neuroscience research. And basically neuroscience is, you know, the pharmacology, toxicology of the brain. Mm -hmm. So everything that was environmental that that affected the brain um, interested Mm -hmm. me. And so Mm -hmm. that it served me just to know how you really are a jack of all trades when you're a safety person. People think you're just babysitting for the construction field, babysitting mm-hmm. construction workers, but you really have to know mm-hmm. sociology, psychology, biology, pharmacology, toxicology, biology. You just name it. You have mm-hmm. to know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you, when things hit the fan, then you're mm-hmm. you're ready to act. But there's so much going on, regulations, compliance, so many areas that go into safety, and you'd be surprised. For people that don't know, people think you're just babysitting Mm -hmm. or you're just like, you know, going out to inspect or you're just a policeman for safety. And it's not. Mm -hmm. It's just so much, so much involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And that it's and that it's more than just the the OSHA regulations. You know, when it's like you just listed off all the all of these areas and fields of study, which. 100% 100% accurate. I agree completely. You have ANSI, That's how Yeah, NFPA, right. you have electrical. I mean, it's so it's a lot. Yeah, and so that CSP start... exam was everything I ever learned in life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Congratulations again on Thank passing you. that. Yeah. But you know when I when you when you think about the list of things that you just listed off and you come across things as a safety professional in your career that you're like uh, I didn't learn that in school or I have no tribal knowledge of that just from my work history and background. You know, it's like, where do you dig and where do you go if it's not specifically covered in the OSHA regulations? And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about how we really have to be researchers in this, in this field. I know that at one point in my career, I was working in healthcare and I needed to learn about, um, oncology and specifically chemotherapy drugs and we know that we have the hascom law but mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't know anything like i didn't know where else to dig so i really had to start digging and you know discovered um is it called the united states pharmacopoeia laws in uh with medications and things and kind of had to go down all these rabbit holes to figure out how am i going to safeguard these people what does this look like and um i think that's part of our that's part of our career is knowing you know, what rocks to turn over and where to look. Yes, I think that's why I love safety so much because inherently I love research. I love digging and finding things and looking for the truth. And um, I've always worked in the health profession or in, in some level of hospitals, like you mentioned, or yeah. um, research in hospitals. So, I mean, it was just a natural progression for me. And even though I didn't become a doctor, I found out that I really love preventing people from getting sick rather than treating afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. That's my calling. Yeah. Yeah, and prevention. Mm-hmm. 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 How many years have you been in the field now? 
Oh, 25. Wow. Yeah. So we're same. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So Crystal, um, you've, you've, um, you've written about supporting women in safety. Um, would you have any tips for people, uh, in who are females in this field who are, who are on their way? Do you have any specific things that, that you'd like to offer up as best practices or advice? Well, one thing I would say, I mean, in order to be credible, you do have to get your certifications. And one thing I do like about safety is that if you're not a person who, to be a safety professional, yes, but to, to just to be a safety manager or a safety engineer, if you're not one who decided you wanted to go to college or you, you could get your OSHA 30, you could build on your certifications, you, be, you know, you could become employed in the field without necessarily going to college. But I, you know, I'm a proponent of education. So I would mm-hmm. say just, you know, get educated, you know, get your degree. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many programs you can, you can get involved in. Find a mentor, find mm-hmm. someone who, once you get there, you can men- mentor as well mm-hmm. to keep the cycle going. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you decide, whatever area you decide to, to go into, just do your research, get to know if that's an uh, area you would like to to be in, you know, but one thing I do like about safety is very malleable. You can always change, but you know, when you get locked in, it's like a specialty when you're a doctor, you know, you kind of keep um, finding a niche for yourself. So I would mm-hmm. say do that, find a niche for yourself. Because mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. so much in safety to know you, being a generalist is kind of hard and it's better mm-hmm. for you to find a niche. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think you've said um, that with your career, you followed the risk as yes. well when you were when you were discovering your next move and your next move with jobs you want to talk about what that how that process worked for you in your head so as far as following the risk goes just being involved in different projects on construction sites i just saw that that's where most people were getting hurt was in yeah. construction and that's mm-hmm. you know like i said i followed the risk i followed the um where most injuries were happening and it mm-hmm. just was like a inherent thing for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And so it's kept you not only engaged um, professionally, but also employed. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Crystal, it's tw- you're 25 years into it. Doesn't sound like you're slowing down. Um, <laughs> what's know. next? What do you, what's what do you, next? what do you, yeah, right. What's next? What are you working on now? Well, one of my goals is that um, I'm interested in a safety school so I can, in, power and educate more safety professionals those people who are underemployed and unemployed to help them get into the safety field so that's one thing i am working on Mm, wonderful Um, yeah that's fabulous Hmm. and um there are a number of ways you know they have sophie davis grants with osha and you know i've Hmm. looked into that we're working with several nonprofit organizations to see how we you know we can train uh professionals for the future yeah, to try to get more people into it. Yes, as I often find that I can't find, and a lot of companies say this, they just can't find credentials and they can't find experienced individuals or people are already working. Yeah. One good thing about safety is that there is a demand for people mm-hmm. and jobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it and it and it appears to be growing right now, as you know, so many of the people who started out in the in the safety industry, you know, after OSHA came into being, um, are retired or long retired, and there's just kind of this um, there's a need right now out there for safety professionals who know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah my um, 
the president of Waters basically said one thing to me when I was hired. He said there are a percentage of safety professionals that he feels like don't know what they're doing and don't care. And that's mm. like a certain percentage. Then mm. there's a percent who might know what they're doing, but they don't care. And then there's the top 2% that know what they're doing and they care. And that was one of the reasons why he hired me is that he felt that I was one of the top 2%, which really, um, we had a synergy and it really um, brought us together to try to um, continue to make the safety culture and waters better. So yeah, um, right. I just strive and I hope that um, those professionals that don't care start to care. Mm-hmm. And um, you really do stand out when you, when you are one who is a vocation and a passion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do think that's, that's something that runs true. It runs true in our career. Well, um, Crystal, as we are rounding out our time today, um, are there any last thoughts you have, things that you'd like to share with the audience or um, best practices you'd like to leave people with? First and foremost, I'd say um, the most effective safety professional is one that cares, that coaches, that is um, charismatic in a way that you just show workers that you are on their side and that it's not just about the bottom line. Yes, you know, production matters. You want your employer to 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 get jobs done on time and, and under budget and all that, but mostly as a professional, you're the advocate for the worker. Mm-hmm. And um so that's basically what I want to get across is that we want people, especially in the construction field where it's the highest fatalities, you want workers to go home safe to their families the way they came in. And you don't you don't want to be a policeman on the job because people will not react to that. That you want to be a coach, you want to be a confidant. You, I mean, my main thing on the job side is that I don't want people running from the safety diva, the safety lady. When she's yeah. coming, they're running away. I want them to come to me and say, Crystal, I need safety glasses. Crystal, I need you to work with me on this particular project. How can we make it safe? We want to work together as a collaboration. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you get that through earning trust, through learning what they what they do, putting yourself in their place. And as an you know, emerging professional, that's what I would suggest for anyone in the field. And if you're not doing that right now, to get on board. Yeah, right. Fabulous. Crystal, I've taken a couple of notes just listening to you right now, and you have a number of C's associated with you that I think are, are wonderful ways to to leave, uh, to close out our time today. So Crystal, who emphasizes being caring, being a coach, being charismatic, being a confidant, and collaborating. That's beautiful, Crystal. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing your wisdom. You're welcome. It was a pleasure, Jill. And thank you for spending your time listening today. And more importantly, thank you for your contribution, making sure your workers, including your temporary workers, make it home safe every day. If you'd like to join the conversation about this episode or any of our previous episodes, follow and join our page on the Accidental Safety Pro Community Group on Facebook. And if you're not subscribed and want to hear past or future episodes, you can subscribe in iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or any other podcast player that you'd like. You can also find all of our episodes at vividlearningsystems.com slash podcast. We'd love it if you could leave a rating and review us on iTunes. It really helps us to connect the show with more and more safety professionals like you and I. 
And of course, you can share any episode you'd like with your friends. If you have a suggestion for a guest, including if it's you, you can please reach out to me at social at vividlearningsystems.com. Special thanks to Will Moss, our podcast producer. And until next time, thanks for listening.